1: This is an RNZ podcast.
2: Just awful. I don't usually say this, but I think my mother might have been right.
1: But did mum ever really think the benefits of eating your greens up could be achieved through just a teaspoon of powder? Hi, I'm Carol Hirschfeld, and my reality might be just a bit like yours. I've got too much on all of the time. I'm always looking for those life hacks. And if I hear something is good for me, I am buying, often without really looking into it. That's where this podcast, Healthier Hopes, comes in. That's the sound of breakfast for me, the grinding and mulching of most of my five plus a day, and generally, the greener the better. And for a lot of people, green powders are the go-to for adding that extra boost of good things you may need. Many powders seem to have an impressive list of plants, vegetables, fruits, algae, and other things that are well green, and therefore unquestionably healthy, surely. I spoke to food writer Nikki Bizant about how it's tempting to believe downing a scoop or two a day will help you eat less or make up for too many takeaways. So there's a big
0: difference between a juice and a smoothie for a start. When you juice something, even if it's a vegetable, you are really you are getting rid of a lot of the good stuff that's in plants like the fibre. Uh, whereas when you're blending it up in a smoothie, a whole food, you know, you're putting your spinach in a smoothie, it tends to you get all the fibre and the goodness. Now, with a powdered extract, though, it's a different thing again because, of course, that's a processed thing. I would say there's probably not that much difference between a juice and a powder.
1: What interests me is when you um, are putting together a smoothie, and I'm a huge fan of smoothies, is that you are throwing quite a number of whole foods into a big blending machine and whipping them up. Often it seems that I'm consuming more... By having that smoothie, if you like, then I would if I was individually eating those those pieces of fruit or um, uh, whatever I'm, I'm or nuts that I'm throwing in. Yeah, and that's something that is something to
0: watch out for. You know, you can you can have quite a calorific smoothie uh, without really realizing it. You know, you can actually end up getting three or four bits of fruit and you know a whole, as you say, a handful of nuts or whatever, a lot more food than you would eat whole, and it's not necessarily as filling as eating it all individually as a whole food and chewing it. And that's the other thing that nutritionists talk about is it's not actually ideal probably to have all of our food sort of pre-digested a little bit in the form of a Baby smoothie. Baby food are Yeah, yeah we're, not, we're not getting the benefit of chewing and that is actually a good, because that's the start. When we chew something, it's the start of our process of digestion.
1: One thing I noticed when my uh, 22-year-old son, who is a huge smoothie fan, is at home blending things up, he loves to throw a sweetener in. And on the whole, it's maple syrup. Is, is that advisable?
0: Uh, well, you just got to be careful with sweeteners, as, with, as in all kind of drinks and things that we take in. Uh, maple syrup is a free sugar as well, the same as any other kind of syrup and honey. Uh, so you don't want to be adding too much of that, otherwise you're probably undoing the benefit, <laughs> potentially. You're better off getting your sweetness from fruit if you can, so put a banana in your smoothie keep it to, uh, as you say, a reasonable amount of fruit
1: and vegetables. Is there actually any value in throwing one of these powders into your whole food smoothie?
0: I guess the nutritionist would say... No, probably not. They would, pro- they would definitely argue that having a whole food is better than having a
1: powdered food. And I guess, you know, whatever you've got in that powder, it's, it's, it's so small the amount of nutrient that may, may be left after the processing. Yeah, that's
0: true. And they do often have fillers and, uh, you know, possibly sweeteners and things in them as well. If you look at that ingredients list, it's, you know, sometimes quite a few ingredients down before you get to any of the plants.
1: Well, have you ever bothered to actually look at what's inside your green saviour? I've got a packet of greens powder here, and taking Nikki's advice, I'm ignoring the marketing claims on the front and turning it over to see what the nutrition panel and ingredients say on the back. So, we've got beetroot, bilberry extract, blackcurrant extract, broccoli sprout, carrot, goji berry extract, hawthorn extract, kelp, licorice root, organic barley leaf. It's hard to know what some of these ingredients are, but they certainly sound healthy. We called David Cameron-Smith, a professor in nutrition at Auckland University, to see whether they're as good as they sound.
3: The the sad answer is that there's been no research in terms of the effectiveness of green powder relative to their source uh, fruits and vegetables and uh, herbs in terms of what they can deliver. So most products contain a myriad of uh, active ingredients in fact it's extremely confusing um, in terms of the ingredients package I guess probably to overwhelm and and bombard the potential consumer. Clinical research really does demonstrate the importance of green leafy vegetables for all of us and we need to consume them on a regular basis and, and more is better but when you turn it into a dry powder It has to be done under vacuum and under heat and sometimes there are chemicals applied in the process of breaking it down into that fine powder. The, The net result in terms of its biological benefit to you simply hasn't been identified.
1: Well, that's the good and bad news. So we're not the only ones confused by the ingredient list, but there's also no proof these powders are good for us. Like me, I suspect, you're wondering if there are any nutrients actually left after all that processing.
3: You don't lose minerals. They tend to hang around and and they're they're fine. But it's all of the sort of delicate things, the polyphenolic compounds, the vitamins, uh, the small... Um, amine-type molecules associated with amino acids. A lot of these things are very important in nutritional physiology, what they do inside humans. And once you've put them through that, that in essence, what is often a, a nasty chemical extraction process to create these powders... Who knows what's happened to them?
1: So it's unclear whether the vitamins survived the process of turning broccoli into powder. But Canterbury University Professor of Toxicology Ian Shaw has some even more disturbing news
4: yeah I mean they probably most people are taking these things because they think, as you say they 're good and nutritious and going to do them well, and they feel very virtuous about it as they cycle off after having their smoothie but these these plants have been grown in all sorts of different soils in different parts of the world, and we can return to that later and They might contain other things that we don 't expect them to contain, like arsenic and other contaminants, so you know you take your smoothie and you take a bit of arsenic at the same time. but the big question is how much arsenic do you take? And is that arsenic uh, going to cause you any harm? And I use arsenic specifically here because there's been some work done, uh, particularly in the States, that has shown that some of these um, products are contaminated with uh, very low levels of arsenic.
1: Yes, you heard him right. Arsenic. Not on my top five list of most healthy things to ingest. Well, let's just think about this for a minute. Now, studies in the United States have shown certainly some powders have relatively high levels of arsenic. So is there any possibility your greens powder could be toxic? Rest easy. It's highly unlikely. But because they're classified as a food, they're not subject to the same level of testing as medicines are required to be before they can be sold.
4: That's a really good point. I mean, I'm a toxicologist here, so I get very excited about anything that is toxic. But we do have to look at the risk of these things, as I mentioned earlier, not the hazard. And the risk is incredibly low. Let me just tell you a little bit about arsenic. If I gave you uh, a gram of arsenic uh, in a a tube and you swallowed it, you'd be incredibly ill incredibly quickly. If I gave you, say, uh, 50 to 100 milligrams, a little tiny pile of arsenic, that would make you feel a bit off-color, but you get well quite quickly. If I gave you that every day for a month, you'd be really ill. If I gave you that every day for, say, four or five months, you'd die. But if I gave you micrograms, tiny, tiny amounts of arsenic uh, every day, you wouldn't notice any change at all. But arsenic is a carcinogen, it causes cancer, but only on long, long, long-term exposure. So what we try to do is keep our arsenic intake as low as possible for that reason, not because it's going to kill a stone dead, but because of the effects it might have in the long term. And if we looked at just arsenic in smoothies, I'm pretty certain, I haven't done the calculations, but I'm pretty certain that would have no impact whatsoever. But we're taking little bits of arsenic in and all sorts of things. If we eat fish, we're taking a small amount of arsenic in. If we eat some vegetables, we're taking small amounts of arsenic in. And these things all add up.
1: The level of arsenic will largely depend on where the ingredients in your greens powders are sourced from. We contacted four companies that sell greens powder in New Zealand. Two are manufactured in Australia. One of those never got back to us with the countries of origin of its ingredients – The other said its seaweed was from Ireland, and pretty much everything else was from Australia. The third, a New Zealand-made product, tries to source ingredients locally, but it depends on availability and price. Sometimes they come from as far away as Germany, Brazil or the United States. The fourth company never got back to us.
4: But you tend to find the cheaper things come from the places where the contamination might be highest.
1: So there are so many unknowns about these powders and no evidence to prove they'll do you any good.
4: I always tell my students in their first toxicology lectures, if anybody ever tells you, because it's green and natural, it's safe, just run away very quickly from them.
1: For some people it doesn't matter anyway. The taste and cost are enough to put them off. RNZ producer Adam McCauley spent a month drinking greens powder and a very non-scientific experiment for this podcast.
2: vegetables, I I usually have lots of green stuff as part of my regular diet anyway. I actually grow this stuff myself. And I've got to say, I kind of like it. I like the actual, like eating the green vegetables. So this And this green powder stuff is supposed to... Well, the problem is a taste thing and palatability. The powder tastes like... It, just, it doesn't only taste like shit... If you put it in a anything else, it does two things. It makes the whole thing taste like crab. And, and it, it's sort of... I don't know what it is. It turns into a colour a bit like concrete. Now, if you ignore the colour and close your eyes and just drink it, you can taste nothing but the green powder, but at least you don't have to look at it, OK. The health benefits, uh, I'm not convinced. Well, look, I don't feel any better. I feel um, braver um, for drinking this rubbish, um, but I don't actually physically feel better. It definitely costs a lot, so if that's an indicator of how good it is for you, then I must be tremendously healthy by now. Oh, my mother used to say, this is interesting, my mother used to say, if you're going to have a medicine, if it tastes bad, it must be good for you. So that, you know, maybe she was right.
1: And you're right, Adam, mother always does know best seem remiss to look at greens powders without considering smoothies. After all, that's how the powder is most often consumed. David Cameron-Smith says the craze for liquefying
3: our food only came about over
1: the last 10 years.
3: So it's driven very much by the manufacturing technology, the machines, the booster machines that are are now available for us. Um, And we do know that they're absorbed and digested very rapidly. So you get a rapid hit of sugar, a rapid hit of, of amino acids. And what that does in terms of health, uh, we, really, we really don't know. Is it better um, to consume your fruits and vegetables in chunky form? Well, the answer is probably yes. You consume less of them and you consume it more slowly. Therefore, you're consuming less calories. One of the interesting things about smoothies is that they need to be designed to taste good. And so what you buy often commercially is very rich in in all sorts of interesting things that make it very sweet. So first and foremost, smoothies are a very large hit of calories. But two, they are often a source of a a range of um, fruits that people would not otherwise get in their diet simply because they can't be bothered or it's just not part of their culture. What we do know is that it's effective for kids and there's been a number of studies now done looking at the role of smoothies in providing fruits and vegetables for children and certainly from um, lower socioeconomic areas or areas where there is some sort of economic impoverishment, uh, the introduction of a a smoothie bar to the school um, or, or to the life of these children has made a very significant impact on the total intake of fruits and vegetables. For the rest of it, it's a little bit of a lazy shortcut. It really isn't real food. Um, But if if it is substituting things that are less healthy, so things that are fried, things that are encased in pastry, then it's probably a good way to go.
1: Smoothies, David says, have become a cultural phenomenon. You
3: see people carrying smoothies um, and uh, very happy to gulp down their miscellaneous cocktail in, in front of you. They're very proud of the things that they mix together. And so it's probably going to have a long-lasting impact on the way the next generation, so the teenagers of today, are going to consume their fruits and vegetables. So it's also, it's also very different. Um, so China, for example, has not embraced the smoothie culture. South America has gone completely mad on smoothies.
1: As David said, smoothies are only possible because of the blenders we all have – At Consumer, they've been investigating these appliances. A really flash version can set you back a thousand bucks. Consumer's food writer, Belinda Castle, says it really depends what you want to use your blender for.
5: Interestingly, the the power of the motor doesn't have a huge impact. So that's why the test results are really important. So at consumer, you can go on and see exactly which ones do the tasks the best. And if you're just wanting one for a particular task, you can narrow that down and go, OK, great, I want to cross lots of ice in the summertime, just want to make green smoothies, I'll go for one. That does a good job on that.
1: That's fascinating because I've always been swayed by the power of, of the wattage and I, and I always thought a more powerful one would actually give me a better smoothie.
5: Not necessarily, and it's the same with other appliances as well. And in terms of the actual
1: food produced, be it smoothies or soup, was there one blender in particular that really hit the mark in a nutritional sense?
5: Not really. So what we did, because obviously a lot of these blenders and juices, they all make claims that you'll get the most nutrition from their product. So we got the juices from them, and we sent them off to a lab to analyse them and we found that no one blender actually consistently gave you more nutrients so for example some might give you a little bit more vitamin C from orange juice another one might give you a little bit more calcium but not one blender or juicer gave the best nutrition
1: And just finally, Belinda how healthy do you think um, blenders really are or should I say the smoothies that, that come from those blenders?
5: I think people need to consider that a smoothie can actually be a meal replacement. So depending what you put in it, if you just consider what goes into a smoothie, you probably wouldn't sit down and eat those all in one go. So I think that's the key thing, is consider it in the total context of your diet. And, you know, Ministry of Health, they say if you're having a juice or a smoothie or something, it only really equates to one of your fruit and veg a day. You shouldn't be going, right, I've had it all in one go, I don't need to have anything else now.
1: So what does all this mean for your daily ritual? Well, adding a scoop of greens powder to your smoothie is not going to make up for eating junk the rest of the time and won't really do much to boost an average veggie intake. And if you're planning on blitzing your way to good health, just remember to think about the amount of energy and sugars you're consuming in your liquid diet. Overall, I'm giving greens powders and smoothies stars. Don't overdo it, but they can be part of a healthy lifestyle. Join me next episode when I'm testing out milk substitutes. Till then, stay healthy! Healthy or Hoax is presented by Carol Hirschfeld and produced by Kate Pereira garcia You can subscribe to it or a range of other RNZ podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review us when you're there. It really helps. And if you enjoyed this show, perhaps you'd like to try RNZ's weekly science podcast, Our Changing World. Check it out. But for now, thanks for listening.